0: Many of us spend our whole life in search of purpose, desperately seeking meaningful ways to make a difference in the world with the short amount of time we are given. The Deploying High podcast has been designed to help you analyze what gives you purpose, to bring calmness to your life through inspirational, thought-provoking stories and conversation. I'm Nora Firestone, author of the book Deploying High, about the mission and true purpose of our hosts. So, it is a true pleasure and honor to introduce to you,
1: Chief Gene Saunders. All right. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Deploying High. I am your host, Chief Gene Saunders. I'm the founder and CEO of Project Lifesaver International. Today, I am very fortunate to have a wonderful guest. She's uh, been known in the Alzheimer's field for some time, known as an expert. Uh, I first heard about her several years ago and I heard the name quite often. Finally, I was able to talk with her and even do a guest appearance on her podcast. Uh, I think she's probably one of the most knowledgeable people in the field. And I feel that we are very fortunate to have her here today. So I'd like to introduce you to our very special guest, Ms. Lori LeBay.
2: I am so excited to be with you, Chief. Um, I know this is going to be a lot of fun. So thank you for oh, having me on.
1: I think it is. I had a lot of fun on your podcast. So <laughs> so we're going to wing it. We're going to go with it. So let me ask you the very first question. Who is Lori LeBay? Where did she come from? How did she get to where she is?
2: Well, I, I'm just a gal from Minnesota, you know, in the, in the middle of the country here, who's always had um, a heart for the underdog since I was really little. Uh, grew up in a, in a family that was very close, um, strong family values, you know, help your community out, those types of things. And I'm 62, so I was also a little girl brought up to you know really take care of family. I mean that was what we did. You know the gals took care of the inside of the house, the guys took care of the outside of the house <laughs> and that's kind of kind of how it worked. And uh, you know I went to high school and went to college which I never finished because I I'm a hands-on type girl and I just kind of got bored in college and I'm like I got to get out there and I have to start doing something. <laughs> um with with these skills that I'm learning thinking that I would finish and then once I I landed in the real world. I just kind of kept working my way up. And I started out, um, you know, with, with little, little jobs and, and then uh, landed in healthcare, working with developmentally disabled. And I did that for about 10 years. And I always kind of had this, well, I guess my daughter would say, I still do have this stubborn streak in me, but I, I always wanted to feel purposeful and I didn't want to be a clog in the wheel, so with my first real full-time job um, working with developmentally disabled, I'll, I'll never forget, we, we got bought out and we had to reapply for our jobs. And the first day you know, on, uh, under our new administration, the executive director was actually on vacation. So the owner came in and he, uh, he chose to fire two people that first day. And all the staff was really upset with him, myself included. And I remember going into his office and asking to talk. And he was sitting there smoking a cigar uh, with his feet up up on his desk, you know, just kind of lounging. And I asked if I could speak with him. He he said, sure. And I shut the door and he's like, well, this, this seems serious. And I said, well, it might not be to you, but it is to me. And he said, well, what's on your mind? And I said, you had no right to fire those two people. <laughs> he just kind of stood up straight like, hey, lady, I, I own this place. And he said, what do you mean? Uh, you know, I, uh, they weren't doing their job. And I said, you had no right to fire two people without telling them the rules are changing. And I said, if this is how you're going to run your place, I don't want to be here. And I can pretty much guarantee you most of your staff are going to walk out. And he he just looked at me and he paused for a while and he said, well, do you think you can do a better job? And I said, well, I know I can do a heck of a lot better job than that. And that's how I entered management. So in 2009, I said, um, all bets down. And I said, I'm putting up my, all my savings in my retirement and I'm going to make a change. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I have to at least try because the need out there is really, really strong. So I created Alzheimer's Speaks, and our goal has always been to raise everyone's voice. I always found it really funny through my journey with my own mom that they would ask anybody but my mom what was going on. And I thought, you know, we're just all peeking in this window, trying to figure out what's inside the house. Why don't we just knock on the door and ask? And. I have found um, dementia chats to be so powerful. Every session we do, I learn so much. You know, we've had people around the world call and say, can can we use these for training? Um, a lot of what I do, um, the majority of what I do is free because I don't think people have the funds to be able to buy this and buy that. And um, so it's like, absolutely, you know, um, that's that's why we do these things is to be able to share them so much what I found in the industry. And I don't know if you've seen this, Gene, but everybody tries to create their own space versus collaborate with others. And I think when we collaborate so often, we can move the needle faster. You know, when we just engage with one another and we feel comfortable referring somebody to this and that and, and different things instead of saying, oh, that's a cool product. I think I'll, I think we'll design something like that or know that's a neat program we'll just call it something different and what that does is that confuses the public on the whole whole. and so in um, 2013 i was lucky enough to partner with the Lutheran home association and we launched the first dementia friendly community in the united states um, which was really fun I, i can't tell you how many times people tell me i can't do what i'm gonna do and i'm like well just watch me um, because I've kind of kicked the word failure to the curb and I just feel like, Hey, it's a learning experience. And if I can sleep better at night, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. I mean, the worst is it's not going to work, um, the way I thought, uh, and then you tweak it and that's okay. It's hard for my brothers would refer to me as a control freak. I would say I'm just organized, you know, and it's hard for, <laughs> it's hard for people like me to a lot of times be spontaneous because we want, we, you know, I grew up wanting things to appear perfect. And I, I've, you know, at 62, I have really learned. I'm not so worried about perfect. I want people to enjoy life. Um, people I engage with, I would like, I would like them to feel comfortable and, and hopefully happy and safe in my presence. And that's really, that's really my goal. Um, and to always be listening and and trying to create new things. So, um, you know, we've done things with partnering with a a, a director on a film uh, called uh, A Timeless Love. And, you know, they came to me and said, how do we market it? And I basically said, you know, I, I don't want you to market this any of the regular ways, you know, and, and they're like, well, what's left? And I'm like, you have a prime piece of real estate out here that people need to see, but they don't need to see this film alone. Because sometimes when we watch a film, if it's too heavy, people will walk away and they're never going to see the end point. They're not going to see the joy. They're not going to see how people worked through things, you know, if it's really emotional. And so I said, I'd like to see these done in smaller settings in community where like to mind people are gathering And, um, and I want to do a talk back. And to this day, I still get people saying, oh, okay, a talk back. We'll get a panel of people. And I said, no, it's not a talk at the audience. It's a talk back. It's allowing them to download what they just experienced, um, because we don't give people permission to feel. And so they can laugh. They can cry in a safe place and we can have all those supportive, um, services and products around them, you know, as they're walking out or in walking in, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be main stage. You know, I think we have to take care of people's hearts and, and give them permission to feel all that they're feeling. Cause we're a society, as you know, that's having a huge problem with mental illness. And I think a lot of that is, is cause we're, we're telling everybody to stuff it. You know, don't show that. Don't act out. You know, nobody nobody feels like that. Well, sorry, everybody feels like that. It's just how you react to those feelings that can get you in trouble. But if we can learn to talk through them, it, it becomes easier. And then all of us become more knowledgeable in terms of how do we how do we truly serve? You know, we're not serving superficially. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a Facebook post or an Instagram that says life's great. You know, it's, it's not <laughs> about that because sometimes life isn't great and that's no. okay. You know, those are where the lessons come in. So always trying to do um, new things. We, we did a cruise uh, for people with dementia and their families, which was really a lot of fun. Um, we've launched dementia map, which I partner with Dave Widrick on, who is the um, founder of the Memory Cafe directories for five different countries. And our goal there is to make it easy to access services, products, and tools, and in general information. Um, we also believe that all, all services, products, and tools are of value. You know, what I think is of value, you might not, but that's okay. That doesn't mean we shouldn't share it um, you know, different cultures, different economic statuses, um all different, all different types of beliefs um, have a right to have access um, to things. And that was one of the issues I guess I had, you know, back in the day. And again, I have to preference, my mom's been gone since 2014. And so, um, you know, 30 years of life, there there wasn't even much talk about dementia or Alzheimer's you know, back in the day. But what we find is that doctors still aren't giving people resources. I mean, most of them don't even get, uh, you know, the number to the Alzheimer's Association. And so they're lost. You know, they don't, they don't know where to go. They don't know what exists. They don't know what terms to even look for because they've never, they haven't been there before. So you know, we need to get information into the the clinics and the hospitals um, and the clinicians. Um, I think it'll make their job easier when they have to give a diagnosis, um, because they won't feel like there's nothing they can do. You know, they don't have to let them leave the room, on uh, with the words hanging in their head. And don't forget to get your affairs in order. You don't have long to live. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how it works. You know, they <laughs> yes, get their. Does. They get their prescription. They get another appointment, and that's what they're told. And it's like, and then they go sit in their car and they cry because they can't even drive home. And and that needs to change. Um, and so, you know, DementiaMap.com, dot com. We're just growing it slowly. We want we want to make sure people who are in it are going to respond to those who who need um, need services, products, and tools. And I and I want to thank Project Lifesaver for for believing in, in, uh, in dementia map and being part of that whole process in and of itself. I, uh, we're just thrilled to have you guys, you guys with us. Um, Uh, We're
1: honored to be there.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. You're going to have to, for sure, list on the calendar, your podcast too, for people to listen to. Absolutely.
1: You hear that engineer?
2: (laughs) Yep. as, As an event. You know, in this in this journey that I've been on, I, I'm always trying to do things a little bit different. So, you know, I have um, I've created some quick tips of things I wish people would have taught me. We just started a uh, dementia in the arts educational program, which is fascinating. And I'm only going to do it once a quarter because I just don't have time to do it more. Um, but this is where people with dementia share Um, their artwork and they explain what they get out of it and what it means and it is fascinating you know there was one gentleman who did a a clay piece and it was a he showed it at first and it was just a kind of a square gray clunk a clay and then it had two slits for an eye and a slit for a mouth and even me who has been in this industry for you know since 09 and, and had a mother you know for 30 years with it i looked at it and i thought oh that's kind of basic i didn't say that out loud but that's inside what i was thinking and then he turns this this piece to the side and on the back side it has blue and gray or blue and yellow and green just flowing out the back of the head and he said you see the front i really don't have a lot of emotion anymore so you don't see me smile or cry or react i i'm just Kind of plain. He said, but the backside is all of my memories just floating away uncontrollably. And it was to me, it was so profound in terms of what he was feeling. We've had people who shared their masks where they have, um, they'll take like a white mask and they'll paint the outside. And then some even paint the inside and go, this is how I want you to see me. But this is on the inside what I'm really feeling like. Um, you know, some of them should be commissioned for their work and just absolutely gorgeous. But you know, there's so much that people with dementia can still participate in. We just have to give them a chance and people go, well, you know, they were never an artist. Well, a lot of us are never artists because we're, we're worried about what everyone else is thinking about what we're doing (laughs) and how they're judging us. And as dementia progresses, you know, that portion of, of thought has left the building. So they don't really care. And so they can just get creative and be in the moment and kind of calm their soul and, and things. So, you know, it's just a, it's a fun, fun space to be in. Uh, we've got a group that's working on travel um, here in Roseville and um, is, is working internationally. on working with the TSA and so forth and that's something i should hook you up with too in terms of people get lost in the airports and and things like that um, they do you know. and
1: in fact we we uh did a dementia cruise with mm-hmm. a, uh, another organization and we proved that we could locate a person on an ocean liner mm-hmm. with all that metal around so uh yeah, we're hoping to, uh, to convince some of these cruise lines because we have found that people get lost on the ships. Yep. And they oh, have yeah. to mobilize the whole crew, and they look and look and look, and sometimes it takes a long time to cover that whole ship. Uh, not to interrupt you, Lori, but mm-hmm. just listening to you, some of the things you have said have just been so profound, and in talking to people that have come the same route, It seems like a lot of the experiences parallel for yours, you know, people telling you that it won't work that it was crazy (laughs) that parallels with exactly what happened to us at project lifesaver. I don't know how many people told me that I was crazy. This was the dumbest thing they'd ever heard. Nobody would ever sponsor it. What do you think you're going to prove by doing this? And my answer was, well, I'm going to prove we can find somebody before tragedy happens. And we're not going to have to have 100 or 200 people out there for hours and hours and hours to do it. And then the other part of what you were saying about dealing with the elderly, I experienced that with my parents and my wife's parents. And it, it just brought back memories as you were talking about how I would go over there and I would see that this is not the way it used to be. Things are changing. And I need to start paying attention to it. And then I almost felt like it was a role reversal. I was the child at one time, but now I am not the child. I am going to have to, in a sense, take charge. And I'm going to have to guide them through this. Uh, Just a short story. My mother, when my father passed away uh, with cancer, she uh, was living in the house by herself. Well, I could tell that this house was more than she could handle, and it was deteriorating. So it came to the point that I had to insist, and even almost, not physically, but I had to insist and demand that she move into an assisted living home. And that I felt bad about having to do that but there was nobody there within 45 minutes to take care because I lived all the way on the other side of the city, which took about 45 minutes for me to get there. If anything happened, the great thing about it was about five months after she moved into this assisted living, she thanked me. She said it was the best thing that could have happened to her. Well, that made me feel good, but it was still this process that you have to go through. And you have to pay attention to it. And you're right. How many of these people are out there that don't have that? Mm-hmm. You know, like my wife was a tremendous help to my mother in law. If she had not been there, who would have helped her? And it's scary. It's very scary. Um, but you know, I just kind of wanted to, uh, bring that to the, uh, to the forefront that. What you're saying it has such a impact, and it's very apparent that you are very knowledgeable and you know what you're talking about. And I've always gone by the the saying, and I'm sure you've heard it: uh, "You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk?" Well, very evidently, you can walk the walk and have done so. And we should be thankful for people like you that step forward. And that's not even to mention your leadership abilities. What you did at the uh, firm or organization you were working at, that took guts. I mean, (laughs) it took a lot of guts. And to walk in there and say that, that that was leadership. And leadership is, I don't believe leadership can be learned. I can believe it. I believe it can be honed. I really do. But I don't think it's learned. It's something inside of you. It says, I'm stepping out. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do this. And damn the torpedoes, as they say, (laughs) full speed ahead. So, But anyway, I I just wanted to say, and and let me do this, if you don't mind. Hi, everybody. You're listening to Deploying Hi, I am your host, Chief Gene Saunders, founder and CEO of Project Lifesaver International. If you have not subscribed yet, please do so, because we have such wonderful guests, such as the one I am talking to today, Ms. Lori LeBay. Lori, I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but please continue.
2: (laughs) No, no. You know, it it was interesting when you were talking about your, your own family. And there are so many people who don't have family or don't have family to help. You know, they don't get along. They don't communicate. They, you know, they've parted ways. And you know, I think the world we're living in right now, you know, has really lost the, the ability at the level it once was to be compassionate and to be helpful. We, we've gotten so much more me oriented versus we oriented. And, I, you know, I've said this for a long time. People think I'm nuts and, and I don't care. But I really think dementia is here to teach the world a lesson on, you know, getting back to basics, kind of going down to the very basics of Maslow's theory, you know, of of what makes us happy, what makes us feel safe, Um, what are the comforts that we truly, truly need in life. And, you know, for me, on on my journey, my mom taught me so many beautiful life lessons, and they're there to be learned. You know, um, one of the, the biggest things I think people tend to rely on is is the verbal word and as dementia progresses people lose that ability to communicate in that light and so we have to get back to consciously reading our nonverbals that we take for granted it's kind of like music in the background we all love music but we really don't give it the credit that it deserves for changing our moods you know it can make us cry it can make us laugh it can make us do a lot of different things but we don't really think consciously about that. We just turn on the stereo. And so, you know, learning that as people age, they're, they're touched less. And so just holding somebody's hand or giving them a hug, you know, you might get one every day from your wife, you know, or multiple times a day, you know, for a senior who's living alone, they may not be touched in months. That's a huge gift just to be able to hug somebody or hold their hand or, you know, um, rub lotion, you know, on their hands, whatever it might be. Um, but learning to, to live in, in their presence, learning to be comfortable in silence and, and to be comfortable being just in someone's presence. Um, we, we hear a lot with dementia about um, people, you know, shadowing somebody. And you know how it drives people crazy, they stop and the person with dimensions right behind them and they literally bump into them. They're like, I need some space, kind of like when you, you know, if you've ever had a toddler, you just kind of lock yourself in the bathroom. Mommy's going potty, you know, even though you're not, you, you just want a little bit of quiet time. Yeah. And yet if you go back and think why that person needs to be so close to you is kind of like a child who has a a security blanket or a little, you know, plush stuffed animal that they just, they can't go to sleep without. You've become that for them.
1: No, you're right. Uh, You know, I I can attribute just one example where uh, I searched and located a gentleman and I asked him where he was going. He was going to meet his parents. Well, his parents had been deceased for some time. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, um, how about me giving you a ride? He says, well, no, I don't think so. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. I said, well, I'll tell you what, let's go get a sandwich, and then we'll discuss how we can get you to your parents. And, well, by the time we finished the sandwich and talked, you know, about things that I had no idea what he was talking about, but just listening. He had forgotten all about what his mission was at that time, Mm -hmm. And I was able to, you know, uh, safely get him back into the assisted living home. But uh, you're right. This is one of the things we try to tell the officers when we train them. These people have not lost being a human being. Mm-hmm. They have not lost. Uh, they're not dumb. They're not. They feel. They rationalize. Maybe not the same way we do. Maybe they're somewhere else or trying to go somewhere else. And you have to just treat them with the respect that you would want to be treated with and give them that that human contact. Mm -hmm. I know my my mother-in-law had Parkinson's, which I know you're familiar with because it has dementia to it. Mm -hmm. And in the final stages, I'm convinced that COVID hastened her departure. Uh, up until COVID hit and we were not allowed to visit, she was doing fairly well. My wife would be there every day, you know, having that human contact, having that that conversation. If my wife couldn't go, I would go. Uh, our visits were potato chips and Coke. If I took her over to the other side, got her some potato chips and a Coke and, and just listened to her, everything, she was happy, just as happy she could be. Well once all that communication was cut off we could see when we finally got to see her it was amazing how far down she had gone and it wasn't but about 2 weeks after that she passed away so i think there's it's very profound i think there's a lot to what you say about communication human contact uh and i think if we really think about it, we're the same way, even though we may not be in dementia. We like human contact. We like to have uh, the feeling of being a part of something. So, you know, I think it's, it's great what you're saying. Unfortunately, Roy, we're, we're out of time. I would like very much to have you back because I think there's a lot more that you can teach us and that we can hear. And get more of our members involved. And thank you for being at the conference. It was a big hit, thanks to you and others. But uh, it, it was a great, it was a great experience, and it's uh, definitely something I want to do again very, very soon, if you will. Uh, you're listening to Deploying High. I am Chief Gene Saunders, your host, founder and CEO of Project Lifesaver International. We have been talking with Miss Lori LeBay, who I have. Uh, it has been delightful. Absolutely delightful. As long as I've been doing this, i learned something. And I think if you learn something every day, you're still progressing. So Lori, if there's anything you'd like to say in closing.
2: I would just like to say, you know, thank you, Chief Saunders, for having me on. I, as you can tell, I love what I do, just like you love what you do. And I think when you have passion to change, you know, you can change the world. And in big and little ways, you know, you you don't have to step into something the way I did or the way the chief did, but you can, you can impact not only your life, but others' lives by doing what you feel is right and use your skill set. All of us are needed to make the world a better place. So never forget that and believe in yourself.
1: So true. Thank you, Lori. And we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Deploying High. If you have not subscribed, please do so, because we have some tremendous guests like Miss Lori LeVay and others who I feel we can learn a lot of life's lessons. Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for listening
0: to this episode of the Deploying High podcast with Chief Gene Saunders, brought to you by Project Lifesaver. Deploying High would like to thank all of our supporters across the country and around the world. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe to our channel, make a donation, and don't forget to tell a friend about us. All proceeds from the Deploying High podcast go to support Project Lifesaver online at projectlifesaver.org. The original five a 1c3 nonprofit organization.